In this episode of Chit and Chat, apologies, my phone cut out a few times, but I hope you enjoy this podcast of Chit and Chat. Hello, and welcome to Chit and Chat, a podcast all about encouraging others. Who needs encouragement? You? Well, we've got you covered. We reach out to musicians, comedians, and other organizations who are all about encouraging their communities. Help us spread the love by sharing this podcast. And now, here's your host of Chit and Chat, Jody Sheffield. Chit and Chat, a podcast that is bringing encouragement to anyone and everyone I can. I hope you had a chance to, to listen to some of the previous episodes of Chit and Chat. We have a new guest every week, and today my guest has a huge biography. And he has an amazing story of hope and, and a miracle. And I invited him on today to share his story as well as some encouragement for you. He is one of the most underrated comedians in the PNW. If you know what the PNW is, the PNW is the Pacific Northwest. So in this region, he is the most underrated comedian according to many around. He has been a regular opener for national headliners. It wasn't long before he had booked, been booked up and down the West Coast. His first comedy special, Should Have Tried Harder, remains one of the most popular on dry bar comedy with videos and audios playing in the millions. Life was going great until a tragic day in 2018 when he was rushed to the hospital after being struck by a vehicle crossing the street. Today, Drew Barth shares his story as, share, as well as shares some encouragement for you. So I'm so glad you could join us. This is Chit and Chat, my good friend, Drew Barth. <laughs> All righty, let's get the ball rolling, shall we? Um, ladies and gentlemen, is my good friend. I'm, he's a friend now. Uh, Drew Barth. One of the I did a big introduction earlier, so they get a little spiel about you. Ooh, my but it's my my honor to have you on today, sir. Thank you. This this is chit and chat, and it's all about encouragement. And I came across your story, and I'd like you to share it down the road as we go through our conversation. But I'll tell you, though, three of my favorite voices uh, of all time are James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman, and Drew Barth. Oh, oh my goodness. Wow. That <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I was not really prepared for that level of a, of a compliment. Wow, thank you so much. Man, I'm glad I bust out the good microphone then today. Uh, Quite often uh, through dry bar comedy, and when you're on the radio for a bit, I I don't I'm not sure when when it was when I first caught you, uh, your videos and stuff. But I've always been a big fan. Oh well, thank you so much. I really I really appreciate that. Thank you. And um, yeah, any any compliment about my voice is always um, very nice, and definitely one of the the more unexpected bonuses that I've gotten as I've gotten older. Uh, I got a few icebreaker questions for you. Fire away. Get the ball ball rolling. If I'm giving you and your wife two plane tickets to go anywhere in the world 
But there's a caveat. It's with the first letter of your name, where are you going? Ooh, first letter of my name. Okay, well, we're both D. So I think we're going to both go to, I think we're going to Denmark. Okay. I think we've never really done the whole sort of Europe kind of thing together, but I feel like she's such a good travel partner. I would have no qualms about kind of hiking away through another country. That sounds good. Uh, living in the Pacific Northwest, you've been here pretty much all your life, correct? Oh, yes. I'm guessing you're a big sports fan. Mm-hmm. If you were a GM mm-hmm. of the current Seattle Seahawks, mm-hmm. you're picking up uh, an offensive person, a defensive person, past or present, for your first picks of your organization, who are you picking? Oh, man. So, the, and this is so top defensive or offensive in the history of the Seahawks. You get two players. You're okay. I think for uh, I think I'm going to take actually Russell Wilson as quarterback. Okay. And then I think for defense, man, I really want Cam Chancellor back. I miss that guy. Mm. Yeah, he would knock you into uh, next year. Oh, <laughs> incredible! Oh, just so good, so good. He was so big. He was so fast. It was also unfair. I grew up uh, in Arkansas, and I got a chance to watch Steve Atwater. Oh, uh, man, hey, he, was a, he was a beast for Arkansas and we went for uh, play with the Broncos. For oh, yeah. It was, and like, no, just another absolutely hard hitter, unlike uh, anybody else. He would just and eh, I feel sorry for those guys going across the middle, man. <laughs> I can't imagine going back to the huddle afterwards and look at the quarterback and be like, what are you doing, man? Come on. You know who's out there. And I gave you a, a little this one a little earlier to think about and ponder. You're now the mar- uh, manager of the Seattle Mariners. Mm-hmm. Game seven. One day we'll get there in the World Series. You give me your hope. You know, hopefully net with baseball getting back rolling one day. I hope so, boy. I hope so. Who is your starting lineup, past or present? From yeah, your and your starting pitcher as well. And your DH. Whew, okay. Uh, it was interesting because I was thinking about this. I don't, I didn't really have to think too hard for most of these positions. Um, I think, I think third base, I still love Kyle Seeger. I'll be interested to see how they replace it, but I love Kyle Seeger there. Tino Martinez at shortstop. Uh, Robinson Cano, I'll take it second base. And then first base, I was torn between John Olerud and Alvin Davis, but I think Alvin Davis. Mm-hmm. And then right field, I'm going to take Ichiro. Uh, center, I'm going to take Griffey. And then left field was, it, it was amazing that there wasn't really like a name that sprang to mind, but Raul Labanias, I feel okay. like was a super consistent dude. And then for catcher, as much as I love Dave Valley, I'm going to give it to Dan Wilson. Uh, Edgar's my DH. And then for starting pitcher, it's got to be Randy. Do you have an all-time favorite baseball player? This one guy you're like, this is the guy I always like. Growing up, uh, I had a friend of mine who was who somehow got to be friends with Harold Reynolds oh, and wow. just always talked about just what an incredibly nice guy he was. I remember he sent me like an autographed baseball for my birthday. And when I, as I was a kid with, autograph, with my name and everything on it, and I just remembered always trying to kind of keep track of that guy and then to see him continue throughout baseball and become just sort of like a nice figure throughout, you know, color commentating and everything it's just uh it's just been very cool so he's always been somebody i really loved harold Roberts. i was a big ricky henderson fan oh, man. About him. <laughs> and he, 
I was fortunate he played for us for maybe one or two years. Yeah. So I got to see him here and play with the Mariners. That was kind of a cool thing. For me, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's really cool. That is a that that guy. Nobody liked that guy again. Uh, quick story. Actually, I tried out for the Mariners back in '91. Really? I was in the Navy. I got off duty, and they had the Baby M's in Bellingham, Washington. Uh huh. I didn't know. Got <laughs> <laughs> a roadmap. Back in the days, we had roadmaps. Uh-huh. And I said, I'm taking a ferry. Don't know where I'm going. And so I, I just got there and I tried out. Bobby Joe Edmonds, who played for Arkansas, another Arkansas story, was out there trying out as well. He was at, yeah. he would come back from a knee injury. And so he went out right playing ball. And so it was like, don't call us, we'll call you. But I, I have the experience of saying I tried out. Wow, that's pretty incredible. Uh, so I always say they sucked for a number of years because I didn't play for them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what a lot of pe- a baseball historians will point to that moment. There you go. Uh, bonus question. Have you ever tried out for something like AGT or something of that magnitude? Try out for something like what? America's Got Talent. Oh, uh, or- you know, I actually, I've auditioned for Last Comic Standing. Okay. Uh, which was pretty nerve wracking, but also kind of tough because it was, you know, you have a whole bunch of comedians auditioning and then at the same time they're all wanting each other to do well but also kind of wanting themselves to do well so yeah there was a that was a lot of fun but definitely the the weight of it definitely i'll never forget for my audience out there who is drew barth can you get a quick little bio about yourself and how you got where you got now sure uh born and raised in bellevue washington uh i went to high school and that was in high school was actually the first time I tried doing stand-up was for the senior talent show. And then when I went to university of Washington and became a theater major at the same time, I was also kind of trying out open mics and such. And so I kind of started my path to just keeping stand-up always going for probably, you know, the next 20 some odd years or so. It feels kind of weird to be, I think now I've been telling jokes longer than I haven't been telling jokes in my life which feels kind of bizarre but i had a handful a handful of other kind of jobs along the way um and acting a little bit here and there always kind of doing stand-up and doing kind of more and more and getting more material having more opportunities and i think the probably the real peak of it was i hit uh i was the i made it to the finals of the seattle international comedy competition Mm back in around i think like 2010 or so and i had also at, throughout that got approached by somebody who was an agent up from la they asked me if i would be interested in coming down and just kind of having some meetings just with some various studios and such which was just absolutely unbelievable <laughs> uh yeah that a feeling of like i can't believe that okay that i guess that just happened you get the right and then getting down there and then i had like three days of meetings at various studios going on like the fox lot and cbs and having just a a quick like 15 what they will call 15 minute long couch and water meetings where basically you sit down on a couch they give you a bottle of water and then they're like okay why should we be interested in you basically why why should why are you here Mm -hmm. and then you would kind of have to pitch yourself which is honestly a thing that i've always had a little bit of difficulty in doing is being able to just kind of speak really brag about it. yeah yeah it's not it's not really what right in my wheelhouse i've gotten better at it over time but it definitely still takes a little bit but 
then I decided to move down to LA after those meetings. I just felt like that was the place I had to be. And then moved back up to Seattle about a year and a half later after running out of money and kind of figuring that it, it just it just really didn't feel like my kind of place. I just didn't really like the scene. I didn't really I didn't really like the the amount of just backbiting or as I described to people the the number of times you would be at a party and chatting with somebody and you could see that they were also looking around, scanning around the room, looking for somebody more important to talk to. <laughs> It just, <laughs> I was like, are you, you're, you're not even really looking, you're looking through me right yeah. now. Okay. So uh, I did that for a bit, came back to Seattle and um, I had been dating a girl long distance and then we broke up. And so then I just kind of continued doing stand up along the way and then uh, met my wife uh, when I was working at Uber. I was working there doing the marketing and customer service and such. And then just really, met her at a friend's birthday party one night back in 2013 and then just i don't know just kind of fell in love with her immediately oh. and then we got married in 2016 and have been together ever since oh. um yeah but back in uh back in 2000 let's see it was 2017 uh i got to be in a part of this dry bar comedy thing which really has been the most transformative thing for me mm -hmm. i was at a doing a show and another comedian i was working with said hey have you heard about this thing they're looking for clean comedians and i started out clean in a, in a or and i started out in a club that was really clean and i think that kind of forced my hand a little bit mm -hmm. and then i've just ended up getting much more work and just kind of staying in that clean zone ever since i think partially because i think i look like every kid that mowed your lawn growing up. Uh, so <laughs> I think there's just kind of this, you, you just kind of expect cleanliness, um, which I, works well for me. It's just kind of, it just fits well. I've watched many comedians on Drive Bar Comedy and I, I, I think I've laughed a good majority of time. I love clean comedy. It's not vulgar and nothing's wrong with it either way, but me and dad and, and I just like, I get, I get shared to the jokes I heard to my kids and I feel yeah. too bad. <laughs> exactly exactly you mean you the, there's got to be just a, a level of I, I think the thing that has always stood out to me that i love so much about doing cleaner comedy is that i i like seeing everybody comfortable mm -hmm. and and having a good time I, I i certainly enjoy comedy that isn't clean but it's just when i personally tell something that i can tell doesn't hit everyone quite the same way or just i know that i'm gonna make somebody feel not great in that moment possibly it just it, it doesn't it doesn't fit for me and it kind of is antithetical to sort of my my purpose in the first place right uh so so is being a comedian something you've always wanted to do or just kind of you hey, i'll dabble into it and see how it goes you know i dabbled a little bit and it was after my the first time that i did it that i well it was again this senior high school talent show and i got off stage and it didn't go great but it just went well enough that i remember like walking into the hallway and being like what was that 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 was something different that like my whole body just felt a little bit kind of tingly and i had that feeling like okay i gotta i gotta do this again uh and then i just kind of kept seeking it out and doing it and it felt like it was something i was pretty good at but i was also really critical of myself at so I, I could tell that like there was some drive to want to do it and be better mm -hmm. that nobody else was telling me to go do it. I just kind of have had it of my own accord that I wanted to do this and be better at it. And 
nothing had ever really spoken to me like that. So I, I felt pretty compelled. Is being a stand-up comedian hard being on stage? You gotta see their faces. Like, is the jokes going well? You know, just kind of keeping that consistency of laughter. Uh, it, just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it can be it can be hard. So because sometimes you can't see the audience, and just the lights are kind of bright, and there are times you're you're pretty thankful of that. Uh, then there are other times when it is far too bright, and you can see far too many faces and far too many people not paying attention or looking down or chatting with somebody else. Uh, the number of venues that I've performed comedy in that aren't optimal, I would say probably outweigh the ones that are set up correctly. So if you're on stage and you're telling a joke and it just doesn't work and you can see it not work on someone's face, mm -hmm. yeah, 30 seconds becomes three minutes really long. <laughs> what are some of the most iconic places that you have been at and have performed at? Uh, the, when I was down in LA, the, the comedy store, the laugh factory, um, the improv, uh, when I was in New York, um, uh, the stand, uh, and then in, around Seattle, uh, the Moore theater was, was pretty awesome. I got to open for Ricky Gervais there back in, in 2018 as well. Uh, yeah, before my accident, actually, and that was a that was one of the bigger shows that I had ever done, and that was a a big packed out theater. Was it's a different thing when you tell jokes in a theater as well because you have to compensate differently for how when you tell a joke how it kind of moves through a crowd and the reaction will kind of come back to you. You have to plot. You have to allow for an extra bit of time. Not because you think it's going to go well, but just because it moves differently through a crowd. Those folks who don't quite get it just yet, they get yep. it. Oh, yep. Just a wave for a little bit, and then sometimes it'll be just like a a very wave kind of thing where like the first yeah. crest will hit, and then it'll hit again, and yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Uh, your top three favorite comedians? Do you uh, any any three you like? I like. Uh, John Mulaney, I'm a huge fan of. I, I really like his, I, I've seen him live a few times and he's been great. Uh, Maria Bamford, I think is, is really wonderful. She's, uh, a little quirky, but I, I think incredibly smart and talented. And I think, who else would I say? Oh, Chad Daniels. It's another comedian who I really love. And somebody again, whose style is not like me, me at all, but, uh, but I absolutely adore you have a special called Should Have Tried Harder. Mm -hmm. Up uh, yesterday, you had 5,790,000 views. <laughs> totally insane. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is insane. It is. I mean, the, the number is just it was so far beyond anything I could have ever hoped for or ever thought that I'm, yeah, it all just blurs. So you want to tell us, tell us a little bit about Should Have Tried Harder? It was the. It was, I knew it was going to be the first thing that I could really put my name on and say, like, this is, this could be a really good opportunity to showcase what I can do the very best. And so I took material that worked for me, that was good for the time. I had a couple of things that I had really loved that I wanted to get kind of laid down somewhere. And I think there's been such an approach by comedians in general, this kind of feeling of like you go and you do a special you have all that material out there and then you that's the time when you kind of put a put all that stuff in a drawer and then you can move on to kind of the next thing 
-hmm. And so that was, it was a good opportunity for me to really put a lot of my best stuff forward along with some stuff that felt very kind of prescient at the time. Uh, And then it just, Drybar does an incredible production job. So I knew I was going to have something that looked incredible. And then their, their promotion of it has just made all the difference in the world. And I have fans in all parts of the world that I, I never thought that I would have. It's incredible. Speaking of fans, I wrote down some comments from you. Ah. Uh, they're from your people who are watching many videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, one says, Drew is the sweetest. I commented on his Facebook page. He takes the time to respond to his fans' comments, not like quick responses, but actually well-thought-out kind of responses. What a great guy. Yes, that, I remember that person. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and it's uh, it, uh, because, quite frankly, it is still, for me, it feels ridiculously cool when somebody takes a, a, like a moment out of their day to write me a message or something i just the the celebrity factor of it is is there's nothing to it I, i'm just a guy sitting in an apartment uh right now just in front of his computer it feels i i'm not anything larger than is ever kind of portrayed so i i feel like i have all the time in the world just to chat with people uh one one says this guy's hilarious was it vulgar did have did have any shocking, filthy words like we commented earlier? It, is it, we mentioned about uh, clean comedy, so mm-hmm. that, that was like a, a cool little comment I Roots wrote down. Uh, yeah, your comment here, and, and one more says this guy should do voice acting. Mm. Yeah, uh, honestly, I, I'd love I I would love to do it. Uh, I just got finished putting together like a, a little voice recording booth in my closet, which actually sounds pretty good. Nice. And uh, a friend of mine, actually, a couple of friends of mine just enlisted me to uh, just record my first audio book doing voices and things like that. And oh, wow. Yeah, it was a blast. It's a, It was called uh, Boys, Book Clubs, and Other Bad Ideas. It's kind of like <laughs> a young adult. It's like a young adult anthology uh, that some friends of mine put together. And they're all great writers, and it went well on Kickstarter. And so one of their stretch goals was to have an audio book, and I got to do that. So very fun. <laughs> I would love to get in the voice of a work, and actually, I, I someone helped me do a audition for Aflac the Duck uh, a few years ago. Ha, no kidding! <laughs> you do have a nice voice. It does sound. It does sound good though. And uh, he goes, "I need to do some Aflac impressions." I'm like, "Like what?" He he wrote down happy, angry, constipated. So I'm making, <laughs> no, it's so. blurb. <laughs> Top ten, so I have a that, 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 that was that's a little thing for me. Is top ten athletic duck auditions. So. <laughs> the voices have always been cool for me. I'm like, yeah, that's so cool to do something <laughs> and no one can see you. Sorry, uh, say again. You can be different, goofy, and weird, and no one can see you in voice. Yeah. Out. I honestly think that maybe at some point I would put in a little tiny camera into my voiceover booth and just have a feed just for my wife because I think she would find it hilarious. I watched the video of yours. You talked about Doug. Can you yeah. Doug? <laughs> yeah, poor Doug. Poor Doug. Man, that, that morning coming out to realize that Doug was no longer there just was, um, it, it was such a, a weird kind of feeling of that. Uh, also, that feeling of like, well, I guess eventually, after being broken into so many times, at some point, somebody was going to give him a better home, maybe. Uh, truck or a car or what? It was a, it was just a, 
it was a car it was a 98 honda civic which people continuously will cite as being like one of the easiest cars in the world to break into and also like an incredibly hot item i remember actually one time i got broken into and the cop uh no sorry the guy the tow truck guy who came over he put his hand in and i was like did they almost steal it and he was pulled on the wheel he's like oh yeah if they pulled a little bit harder they could have broken through this safety thing here he's like but you know this is the time of year for it and i was like the time of year and he was like oh yeah this is like the training ground for a lot of gangs down in la they'll come up to seattle this is like spring training and then this is where they work on some of their kind of car tracking skills i have a, a truck i was i used to for warner bread years ago at a mm -hmm. truck forgot to lock it i had a bible 20 bucks and a pocket knife and the pocket knife was stolen really <laughs> that seems like a crazy commentary about society if i've ever heard one yes so yeah so we we have a little bit there <laughs> would you rather have a blade the lord or money yes. interesting <laughs> well you know it's been four years uh since you've had a life-changing event that happened mm -hmm. you mind sharing about that yeah certainly Back in February 23rd of 2018, I was working at Cairo Radio in Seattle, and my wife had burned her hand on a curling iron that morning, and so I was going to leave work a little bit early, and as I went to go walk out the door on a Friday afternoon around 2 o'clock or so, as I was going across the street to get to my car, I was in a crosswalk, and a guy in a pickup truck coming down... Uh, didn't see me and went around another car and then hit me and mm. i've my head hit his windshield uh i broke my knee i broke my shoulder i collapsed a lung and then i landed on the on the ground like 30 feet away or so mm. uh now i don't i don't remember any of this i, I wake up two days later in the hospital but when i uh landed ambulances came and saw me and attended to me and everything the guy who was driving also apparently had some ems training and kind of helped me a little bit on the scene um but then i was taken emergency to uh harborview hospital because i had an epidural hematoma which is like a big blood clot in between the the brain and your skull so they had to do an emergency craniotomy to relieve the pressure and then uh, I slept for the next 36 hours or so. Mm. So that happened on a Friday night. And then my wife basically is trying to figure out this whole time, you know, what is it going to be like when he gets out of this, all doing all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday uh, I come to and I'm, I'm there. My, my kind of mental capacity is there. Uh, it's I, I don't remember it super well, that whole the radius of time kind of around that accident it, it seemed like my memory is pretty spotty all around it. it it went retroactive as well kind of knocked out some stuff beforehand as well mm -hmm. um, which is a little frustrating but the then i was in the hospital for about a week or so before they released me home and then spent the next few months at home with my wife just recuperating i had a I had a walker at first to get around um the emergency surgery that they did on my brain uh i had a i had like 14 metal staples in a line along the side of my head uh i was also in the midst of getting ready to do uh 
I was just about to do like a commercial series as well for a Ford dealership down kind of near Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And so when I woke up and I was in the hospital, as I'm kind of trying to piece it all together, I'm turning my wife and I was like, sweetie, no, I, but I'm supposed to do that commercial. And then I reach up and my head is completely shaved. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got staples coming out of the side. And she's like, you're not, you're not going to be able to do that commercial. I'm like, oh, okay. And it's just from there, it was just a whole bunch of things that you just, realizing like okay that's out the window now okay can't do that that thing's done that's that whole sort of list of things so it just it kind of became just sort of my new reality for a bit of time and fortunately uh i managed to get back to work probably three four months later or so and i've been able to just kind of deal with a number of things ever since then it's not been it hasn't been a really easy path, but at the same time, I the the number one overall feeling I constantly have is just is is straight up luck. I mean, I the, I, I shouldn't be alive. I really shouldn't. So the 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 ability to actually be chatting with you now and then be able to go back and do comedy and do all the things that I was able to do before, and not have a myriad of issues that I should have. Mm-hmm. It's difficult not to, at the end of the day, just be grateful and just feel okay about a lot of stuff. And getting prepared for this, you know, I followed you a little bit on Facebook and I followed mm-hmm. you Miller as well. And when mm-hmm. you, oh, yeah. Also, the pictures, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, so I truly believe in uh, that God has, a, has, has and have a plan for you. And so I'm, I'm glad that you're. The road to recovery is one day at a time, and I'm so glad you're uh, doing well. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's it's so much fun. the the number of The number of kind of nice things that I was able to pull away from this are seem to so far outweigh the number of negative things that I deal with, and the negative things I deal with are more often annoyances than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the number of like truly debilitating things that I have to deal with now, not 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 really. Like I I, I can't sleep throughout the night. That's the one thing that's that's pretty tough. I usually wake up every night at around three a.m. or so. And I'm up for about two hours and I just can't go back to sleep. Although I know a lot of people throughout the pandemic are also kind of experiencing that as well. But mm-hmm. um, did you receive a lot of encouragement during your recovery from people and fans and just prayers and cards? Yeah, that was probably the most astonishing thing. The, of all the kind of spotty memories that I have in the hospital, um, I do remember my wife telling me that a GoFundMe had been started by uh, my coworker Nicole at Cairo. And between that and also kind of the Seattle comedy community, mm-hmm. I, I got this crazy outpouring of support and people donating and things like that. And I just remember my wife showing me the phone and just tears running down my face. It was just, it was at a level of kindness and compassion that at least made me feel like the, the way that I had been living my life up to that point was I was in the, I was doing things correctly. I was living my life well and that I was treating people well because I felt like it was such a, it was such a karmic return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I've described it to people. It's like when you have a dream where you go to your own funeral and you kind of get to being almost like kind of like a, a ghost or a fly on the wall and just kind of hear what people say. There's, there's like that part of you that always wants to know, it's like, what would people really think about me if, mm-hmm. if I was in a really adverse situation? And I, I got to, to experience that 
to a degree. And it's just um, it, it makes you it makes it difficult to look at people the same. And how do you live your legacy? A legacy you left. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Drew was a you know inspiring, uh, encouraging individual. You know, po- I would really hope for me as well, positive. Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought about this podcast months ago. Was we're going to do some crazy stuff? I want to do a podcast of just encouraging people, getting their story about whatever, and using that to share because everybody has a story. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of the concept of this podcast that I started about about a month and a half ago. It's such a great it's it's so great and it's so very much what people need uh and and there's just kind of a dearth of kind of really positivity still i I feel like it's starting to kind of come back a little bit but it's not the first thing that you find really you still have to kind of search it out a little bit and it's just i i love having the ability to be any sort of encouragement that i could possibly be or because it is just such a it's such a bit of luck that can really turn things one way or the other mm-hmm. that it's uh, if you find yourself and you've been able to kind of get through that kind of moment and be able to kind of peer at how bad something could be it, it really it feels to me i said like it's like tearing a scale and you kind of like get to reset everything but you've kind of got a little bit of weight on top of it already it's like okay now you have to reassess to what zero is but now with this on top of it mm-hmm. And that gives me kind of a, a new way of looking at things. So it's, yeah. So what's your schedule like these days? Are you uh, doing shows, so touring, events? You know, unfortunately, uh, mo- like most comedians, my entire schedule just evaporated back when this all started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's been a matter of trying to kind of gauge what is the level of booking that I want to kind of put ahead of myself, like how much stuff do I really want to put on the calendar, only knowing that it might be a little different. Now it's feeling like we're I'm I'm more confident now in putting myself out there and kind of going to do shows and such as well. But at the same, I think the the holdup that I had for a long period of time was that beyond just my own exposure, I mean my wife and I were vaccinated and boosted and everything, but when that feeling also as I chatted with other comedians of hearing how incredibly different it is from town to town and that the restrictions that can go in, I I think I was still harboring a little bit of a nervousness about being responsible for any sort of like super spreader type thing Mm -hmm. or being the reason why somebody got sick. Right. So I think it, I think it's gotten, I think it's gotten better and I'm feeling a little less guilty about possibly being instigate, instigate, instigatory event for something like that now. You have a website that when eventually you get you know back in the shows and stuff, people can try to follow you. Yes, just drewbarth.com. And uh, I do I'm gonna put on a couple of shows that I'm gonna be doing uh, in the next couple of weekends. I'm gonna be doing one up in, in Port Townsend in Washington, and then I'm gonna do one in Cascade, Idaho, and I think uh, March twenty-third, March twenty-fourth, twenty-fifth, I believe. And if there's any encouragement or inspiring words you could share with someone as we wrap up about this life-changing experience, uh, what would it be? Compliments are, are free and they're really, they're really easy. And I, nobody gets as many compliments as they, as they should. If you can take, if you can say something nice to someone and you've been thinking it, like, don't, don't hold it. And just think of like the, 
the opportune time or have a motivation kind of why you're going to say it, just say something nice to somebody. If you see somebody that's a friend of yours or, you know, it just happened to be really like rocking a, you know, a shirt or something like that, it's like, dude, that's great. Or just, it's like, you know, you in general have really good fashion sense. Like Mm -hmm. I like to compliment people in generalities because I feel like people don't talk enough about qualities that people have. Mm -hmm. So if I can say to somebody like, Hey, you know, whenever we have people over, you are so good about just going around and always chatting with people that like that little tiny bit of a thing is something that will make somebody's evening, I believe. And I, I love to be that level of honesty with people. Thank you, Drew, for this time we've had today. Uh, I know your, your schedule and everything going on, and I'm honored to have talked to you today, the voice of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> my, oh, my pleasure. Jody, that, that is truly one of the kindest compliments I've ever had, and if you ever want uh, anything recorded, uh, I would be more than happy to take my voice recording booth for a little spin, uh, so if you need trailers, bumpers, or any sort of answering service, uh, I, I'm your man. I, I would be honored. And if I had a, 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 a applause of people in my car, we'd be all be clapping for you. So thank ah, you. goodness. <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, and connected. And if you're in, over the my side of the, the, the Kitsap area, coffee's on me. So uh, let me know when you're over, the, over here in the area. Marvelous. I'd love to take you up on that. Take care of yourself, Drew. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jody. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, thank you. God bless. Cheers. Bye-bye. What a great conversation we had today with Drew Barth, comedian here in Pacific Northwest. We had a great conversation with some sports questions, and he touched base with about some comedy uh, he's doing and the tragic event that happened to him a little over four years ago. And if you want to check out some of his videos, you can uh, his comedy as well. Go to YouTube, check out uh, Drew Barth there, as well as Dry Bar Comedy. He has a website, as he mentioned, drewbarth.com. He has some events upcoming, so check him out. This has been Chit Chat, my good friend, Drew Barth. This episode of Chit and Chat was brought to you by Veteran Roasters Coffee. Each purchase of Veteran Roasters Coffee helps employ one of tens of thousands of U.S. military veterans who have found hardship and difficulty upon transitioning home from service. They promise you the best beans from the best veteran-owned coffee company. Veterans helping veterans one cup at a time. Use the code CHITCHAT25 to receive 25% off your purchase at VeteranRoasters.com. 